0: You gotta declaw your monkey. You gotta de-tooth your monkey.
1: Eavesdropping. Hello, Michelle. How are you?
0: I'm great, Geordie. How are you? Great.
1: I'm well, thank you. I'm well. Welcome, one and all, to Eavesdropping, the podcast. Your weekly dose of real-life true crime and supernatural.
0: With me, Geordie. And me, Michelle. Yay. Oh, thanks. Yay to you too. I will say there is something a little extra special about December. Because it's December.
1: It's Christmas. Every. Every Wednesday Wednesday. in December. (laughs) Cue the jingle. One, two, three, it's Christmas, every Wednesday in December, drop some me, so will you drop with me, drop, drop, Ooh. drop, sexy Santa in the place suit, drop, 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 play too, play too. What a hoot, what a hoot. Oh, I love December just because we can get that bloody jingle out. You know, we spent a lot of time on that jingle, writing and recording that, some eaves sexy Santa in a play suit I mean a lot of thought went into that speaking of Christmas Michelle and Mm. songs of course it's that time of year you know it's time to talk about tinsel time to talk about fairy lights mince pies don't get me started I alluded to this before we started recording but my dog ate four mince pies yesterday night and when we woke up we realized I don't know if you know this But dog lovers everywhere should know that vine, fruits, grapes, raisins, sultanas, deadly to dogs. Deadly. What? Yeah.
0: But Winter's not dead. She's
1: not dead. Oh, thank God. She had to be rushed to hospital, to pet hospital. No. A charcoal drip and 233 pounds later, she's back in one piece covered in black down her front. Oh, my God god but she's fine she chucked it all up we thought it was four mince pies turns out it was only one full mince pie which she chundered up at the vets i don't know if anyone's interested in this but yeah she's fine she's fine i just found them scattered all through the house she's got long legs she can stand up and she can just reach out and grab she can reach out and
0: grab mince mince pies chocolate that's what i was going to bring up next the time i had a suitcase full of swiss chocolate it was all gone by the time winter found it (laughs) we had to take another trip to the vet
1: yeah Honestly, she likes the things that aren't good for her, like all of us, really. Mm. But going back to Christmas, I just want to acknowledge that, sadly, we lost the Pogues frontman Shane McGowan this week to viral encephalitis. I didn't know this. He died yesterday, Michelle, yeah. I mean, I thought he was long dead, to be fair. (laughs) He had a lot of... um, drinking and excesses and things and i think it took its toll um but yeah eventually he succumbed to something called viral encephalitis which is a life-threatening condition that leads to brain swelling he's been in and out of dublin st vincent hospital for months and he was discharged because it's his birthday coming up on christmas day so he was sent home and he was really thrilled but obviously he died at home with his wife victoria mary clark now victoria mary clark she's an irish journalist okay do you remember when nirvana were in their heyday there was a couple of british journalists who were writing a book which never got published and it actually incurred the wrath of everybody it was in the wake of that vanity fair article
0: oh the one where courtney love admitted to taking heroin while she was pregnant
1: yep so then these two journalists one of them was victoria mary clark Mm -hmm. shane mcgowan's wife partner for more than 30 years I think she and her co-writer both ended up on the sharp end of Kurt Cobain Dave Grohl and Courtney Love's tongues there's all these horrible voicemails voice notes sent to their telephone recording systems back in the 90s answering code a- messages answering mach- <laughs> <laughs> it's an answering machine, machine of message. course that's what you call it yeah seek that out have a listen I didn't listen, but I do remember all the kerfuffle at the time. They absolutely, Nirvana and their crew hated Victoria and her co-writer Brit, whose name I can't remember. Right. But yeah, that that book never got released. They had all the go ahead and then they were on tour with them and everything. But then eventually something went wrong. Things blew up. It was bad.
0: Well, they saw what was really going on, I imagine. Mm, I maybe. want that book. I wonder if there's an opportunity, however many years it is later now. When did he die? 94. Next year, it's wow.
1: 30 years. Is that right? I don't do yeah, maths, Michelle. You years. know that.
0: I don't. I, I had to count with my fingers then. Yeah, I saw your fingies
1: going, going like the clappers. But going back to Shane McGowan... He, yes, for all his excesses and wobbliness, he was an amazing lyricist. The Pogues are incredible. It's Christmas, so we'll be hearing the fairy tale of New York, which he and Kirsty McColl, who also sadly died some years back. In a boating accident. In a she boat went accident. out for yeah. a
0: swim and got hit by a speedboat
1: awful. Yeah it's pretty shocking actually.
0: Although I did always wonder did Shane McGowan ever get his teeth fixed?
1: Yes he did. In fact if you look him up he's had a few different looks over the years. When he died he was quite thin but he had a nice new set of gnashes.
0: No I had a cat who lost all their teeth yeah. and you can't eat. She basically died because she couldn't eat.
1: Well I think he did eat between drugs.
0: He's not on the soup he's on the drugs. He's Michelle the drugs. what you on about?
1: <laughs> But going back to Shane McGowan, I just wanted to say that this is a good time to crack out the Pogues albums. Rum, Sodomy and the Lash is a great place to start. That's a fantastic album. I also just want to acknowledge, very sadly, a few days before Shane McGowan died, the man who inspired my nickname, Geordie Walker, from Killing Joke, he too died. No. Had a stroke. What's
0: happening? They're all dropping off.
1: Well... Yeah, and these guys were both in their 60s. Shane McGowan and Geordie Walker were both in their 60s at the time. It's not old these days. No, it's not really, is it?
0: I will say, Fairytale of New York, that does lead me to remember my very good friend and regular eavesdropper, Zoe Folbig. She actually has a brand new book out called Fairytale of New York. Apparently, it's a bit of a red herring. It's not really much to do with Christmas, but... It's a great read. Pop it in your Christmas stocking. Is she an
1: eavesdropper? Zoe, we could say hello, give her a shout out. Yes,
0: she does pop on an episode when she can. So shout out to you, Zoe. Shout
1: out, Zoe. I hope it doesn't distract you too much when you're trying to put pen to paper or finger to keyboard, as you writers like to do. But I also do want to give another shout out to another listener who wrote in after last week's episode. There's been a few messages about this, actually. The travel pussy. Oh! little no. shout out listener Anushka and Chris who are in Germany okay <laughs> Chris is actually English when he first came across not not literally but you know when he first encountered his first travel pussy
0: he has to go into any public toilet it's exactly. a vending machine
1: <laughs> and apparently since that moment they've just called everything a travel pussy so if they're taking something out of the house they call it a travel pussy <laughs> a flask of tea have you got your travel pussy I love it. We're a little late to the travel pussy party, Michelle.
0: The travel pussy. It was a revelation to me. There it is in the vending machine.
1: Fantastic. And I'd like to know what, I mean, what's wrong with a hand, number one? Number two, what do you think is different about a travel pussy? Do you think it's just a little bit of like pre-moistened silicone? I
0: don't know. Um, Do you know what? Next time I'm at the services on the autobahn and I stop, I'm going to get Andreas to (laughs) Buy buy one. one. And I'm going to get him to test it out or at least show me. But I wonder if it's just neat. That's a lot. You can finish, chuck it away. Yuck. I'd like to know how much it is. Oh, it's about fiver.
1: Okay. It's not that expensive. So it must be disposable. Well. Is it not just a box of of pre-moistened tissue or something? (laughs) I mean, God. I mean, let's not think about it. It's horrifying really, isn't it?
0: If I was traveling through Germany, I would actually
1: pop one in the post to you. Don't do that. I do not want to receive a travel pussy in the post. Thank you, but no.
0: You can get a travel pussy and a tub of prawn cheese. How about that? Merry fucking
1: Christmas. (laughs) All the best from Europe. Thanks, Michelle. Ew. Well, Well, that's one for the bin. 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 This week, I want to revisit a film that we speak about over and over. All the flipping time you hear us go, oh, that's like, nope. Oh, what about nope? Yeah, nope, 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 nope. The film, nope. We loved it, didn't we? I loved it, then you watched it with me again. It's fantastic. Mind-bending sci-fi horror from comedian Jordan Peele. Now, there's a scene in that film very early on that kind of refers to carnage on the set of a live filmed sitcom in front of a live tv audience and it's the Mm. aftermath of where a chimp has gone wild and attacked the cast I'm not going to give too much away and if you've seen the film you'll know how disturbing this scene is and it's a birthday themed episode and the whole show is about this chimp called Gordy Gordy's home it's fictional and so this chimp has gone literally apeshit at the sound of balloons popping it sent him into a frenzy he attacked the cast only one cast member survived because he was hid hiding under the well not survived but didn't get attacked because he was hiding under the table and didn't lock eyes with the chimp mm. so i have always been shocked and horrified by that scene and i wondered was it based on anything That was in reality. That
0: actually happened. Did he lift
1: it from real life? So I did a bit of digging and actually my daughter told me that there was some sort of YouTube video that she'd seen where, yes, there was a survivor of a chimp attack. Oh. And it was actually the inspiration for Gordy's Rampage. There's a chimp, quite a famous chimp, called Travis. He was 14 years old and he was born in captivity and owned solely by humans. He was an animal actor, so he appeared in several TV shows and commercials, including Coca-Cola. I mean, that's the pinnacle, right? What more could a chimp ask for? He was adopted (laughs) by a married couple called Sandra and Jerome Harold when he was just three days old and his mother had been shot and killed trying to escape an animal sanctuary, leaving poor little chimpy Travis all alone in the world. So then he was adopted. Don't know how I guess back then there was some laws saying that you're allowed to own a chimp. Didn't Ross from Friends have a chimp or something or a monkey? He had a monkey, didn't he, for a bit?
0: I remember there was this program. My sister Steph will remember this more than me. We were watching it. It was all about people who owned Monkeys, yeah, in America, these monkeys were treated like children. They wore diapers. They sat at Come the kitchen on. table, Bloody and hell. then there was this whole thing about you got to declaw your monkey, you got to detooth your monkey, <sighs> detooth, yeah, taking all the teeth out so they couldn't attack. Oh, fuck. any kind of sharp things, so they were physically altering these monkeys. Oh it my was god, absolutely
1: terrifying. Well, I have to say, on the back of what you've just said. He was, Travis was their constant companion, the Herald's constant mm. companion. He'd accompanied them to work, shopping trips. Now, they owned a towing company and Travis would pose for all the photos at the shop and he'd go in the tow truck and he became very famous in their town. He'd grown up amongst humans. He'd been socialized since mm. birth. But yes, he was treated like a human or a child or something. I don't know if they declawed him. A neighbour of the Heralds said that he used to muck about and wrestle with Travis. And the neighbour also said that Travis always knew when to stop and would pay close attention to his owners. He was so integrated into this family, he'd be opening doors using keys. He could dress himself. He could water the plants. He could feed hay to the owners' horses. He would eat at the table with the rest of the family and drink wine from a fancy glass. Okay, why the fuck is a
0: monkey drinking wine?
1: for a start and also it's got keys you can get in and out In and out exactly he also knew the schedules of the passing ice cream trucks and he could log into the computer and look at pictures watch tv using a remote control he'd brush his teeth using a water pick which i have to say michelle most humans have difficulty doing so hats off to travis for that one and he had a travel pussy No, he didn't. No, he didn't. (laughs) Poor Travis. But he'd also driven a car, which is more than, I mean, he could have driven to a service station in Germany and found himself a travel pussy if he wanted to because he could drive a bloody car. This
0: is not a monkey. This is a surrogate child. This is a
1: substitute child. And the reason why, it's very sad, they lost their only child in a car accident in 2000, the Herald family. right? And when Jerome, the husband, died of cancer in 2004, Sandra really leaned on Travis as her... Kind of partner in life, her child. Support chimp. Support chimp, therapy chimp. She treated him like a human. She slept in bed with him every night. She took baths with him. Okay, this is getting weird now. I know. I'm just thinking, let's hope they didn't have a tubble, an inflatable tubble like our friend Janneke (laughs) in Amsterdam used to have. But she says, until you've eaten with a chimp and bathed with a chimp, you don't know a chimp. It's a bit disturbing, isn't it? It is
0: disturbing and also
1: she's crossed the line. She's crossed the line, absolutely. Where do you come back from that? You just don't. I mean, he wasn't always predictable. In October 2003, while Sandra and Travis were sitting in traffic in their car, a pedestrian threw an empty drink bottle at the car and it went through a partially open window. It hit Travis and startled him. He unbuckled his seatbelt opened the car door and chased the man that threw the bottle... Causing this huge traffic jam. Road rage. I know. Soda pop rage. He was on the loose for several hours. Then the police arrived. They tried to lure Travis back into his car several times. But only to have him let himself out of the other door. So it was almost like a comedy sketch from a silent short film or something. And yeah. They'd chase him. He'd go in the car. Then he'd go out the other side. And they'd have to start all over again. Honestly. Then he slipped
0: on a banana peel. <laughs>
1: Jesus, And sometimes he chased the officers around and around the car. So after this incident, it led to the passing of a Connecticut law prohibiting people from keeping primates weighing more than 23 kilos as pets and requiring owners of exotic pets to apply for permits. The Connecticut Department of Environmental Protection, DEP, did not enforce the law in the Herald's case for Travis because they had owned 200 pound 91 kilos Travis so long that the DEP did not believe he posed any risk to public safety however in the afternoon of 2009 Sandra's friend Charlene Nash was visiting the house now she and Travis had a great relationship she used to work for the towing company after Jerome died she'd fallen on hard times her and her daughter were living in and out of different places and Sandra Harold had offered Sharla some work maybe babysitting for Travis here and there I think they'd been to the hairdressers that day and Sharla had a new hairdo but normally they'd gotten on really well when they were at home after the haircuts they'd been out to get their hairs done that day hairs one hair each (laughs) They were at home. Travis let himself out of the front door, like you said, Michelle, with Sandra's car keys. Right. So they were both, both women went outside trying to lure him back in. Charlotte was there as well. She grabbed his favorite toy, which was a Tickle Me Elmo.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. What? A Tickle Me Elmo. This is just getting more and more crazy.
1: Those things broke yeah. Not even the internet, because the internet didn't exist, or it was just in its early days. Sales records, it worldwide. broke all the toys, the Christmas records. One year, everybody wanted Tickle Me Elmo. That was almost the first time I remember a toy frenzy at Christmas. Yeah, like everybody wants this one toy. Where is he now? Under a pile of other shit, probably we're in the charity shop. <laughs> anyway, Travis did not like this new-haired Charla standing there with his Tickle Me Elmo. He flew into a rage. He ran over to her, knuckles dragging. Mm. He stood on his two legs. He threw her into the side of the car her car. What? Then onto the ground. He now here we go, trigger warning people. He viciously attacked oh, her as she lay on the ground bleeding. He inflicted devastating injuries to Charlotte's face and limbs. <gasps> Sandra's there trying to stop it by hitting him on the head with a shovel and even went as far as to stab him in the back several times with a butcher knife.
0: Oh, my God! Sandra
1: later said, for me to do something like that, put a knife in him, was like putting one in myself. And apparently at the time, Travis turned around while she was stabbing him to look at her with a confused expression. But this only served to infuriate Travis even more. Sandra thought he had killed poor Charlotte, and she locked herself inside the car to call the emergency services. And in the recording... You can hear the chimp screaming in the background at the start of the recording of the emergency services call that Sandra made. She's pleading for the police to come, but they thought it was a hoax until they heard her say, <gasps> he's eating her, he's ripped her apart, hurry up. Oh, my Please God. hurry up. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's horrific, Michelle. He's got the keys too. So I wonder if
0: he was going to try and get in the car. Oh. Well,
1: yeah, fucking hell. Poor Charlotte. The emergency services, the medical services arrived. They had to wait, though, until the police arrived before approaching the house because this chimp is on a rampage, frenzied. So once the police did arrive, Travis headed towards the police car, tried to open a locked passenger door and smashed a side wing mirror. He then went around to the driver's side and opened it. In it was Officer Frank Chaffari, <gasps> who shot him four times. Travis didn't die straight away. He went back into the what? house. Yes. And eventually they went in to find him dead next to his cage. Some reports say that he was holding on to Sandra's bedpost when he died. This is horrific, though, because what he did to Charlotte is absolutely horrific. The emergency services said the injuries were horrendous, but she was still alive. Fuck. They rushed to the hospital. She had more than seven hours of surgery on her face and hands by four teams <gasps> of surgeons. And the hospital then had to provide counselling to its staff members who initially treated her no. because of the extraordinary nature <gasps> of her wounds. Yeah, I've seen unfortunately seen some pictures of her shortly after. It's not. Don't nice. look. I didn't at mean those. to.
0: They haunt your dreams.
1: Yeah, it does actually. The paramedics said that she'd lost nine fingers, her nose, oh. eyes, <gasps> lips, oh. and mid face bone structure, Ice. and received significant brain tissue injuries. She's blinded for life, unfortunately. Doctors removed chimpanzee hair and teeth that had been implanted, I'm sorry, trigger warning, into her bones and oh reattached her jaw. But like I said, she's been blinded. They couldn't save her eyesight.
0: This is fucking horrific. Why,
1: why did he react like that? Why did he attack her? And like I said earlier, she had a different hairstyle. She, she drove a different car. So maybe that confused him. But it was also revealed later that he was being given medication for Lyme's disease. Oh. His head, as is customary for the autopsy, his head was taken to oh. a state lab for a rabies test and the body was taken to the University of Connecticut for an autopsy. There was no rabies, but there was Xanax in his system, which Sandra oh. admitted to giving him in a cup of tea on the day of the attack. Why? Why? He was already getting out of control. Wow. In humans, Xanax can cause disinhibition and disorientation and occasionally paradoxical reactions of hallucination, aggression, rage and mania. So God knows what it did to poor Travis. After the attack, a local woman said that in 1996 travis had actually bitten her hand and tried to pull her into a vehicle as she greeted him she said she did complain to the heralds and to the police but apparently there was no record of the police complaint 15 months after charla's attack in may 2010 sandra herald died suddenly of an aneurysm at the age of 72 and her attorney said in a statement mrs herald had suffered a series of heartbreaking losses over the last several years, beginning with the death of her first and only daughter who was killed in a car accident, then her husband, then her beloved Trim Chavis, as well as the tragic maiming of a friend and employee, Charlotte Nash. In the end, her heart, which had been broken so many times before, could take no more. In 2011... This is after now after Sandra Harold's death. Sharla underwent experimental face transplant surgery and received a donated face and hands because she had no hands. They were had to be amputated, you see.
0: God, this woman.
1: I know. The hands were initially successful, but she soon caught pneumonia and they had to be removed 5 days after the transplant due to an infection and resulting poor circulation. Her family had to raise cash to pay for all this extortionate medical bills. And later, Sharla eventually fundraised enough money to buy a prosthetic hand for nearly $13,000. I just want to also add, regarding Tellyrex, right? Yeah. We've just finished watching a TV show on the BBC called Boat Story. It's really odd, but it's really interesting. And going back to the prosthetic hand, there's a link to that. It's starring that lady, Daisy Haggard, who is in something that you liked.
0: I like her. She steals every scene she's in. She's amazing. Daisy Haggard, love her. If you were Sandra, would you, without any children and I don't know what relatives she's got, wouldn't you leave it all to Sharla?
1: Yeah, you would. To kind of make up
0: for it. She's on Struggle Street. She's got no hands, no eyes, no life.
1: Exactly. It's fucked. It's fucked for Sharla.
0: I would leave everything to poor Sharla.
1: Well, Sharla sued them. She sued the estate. Yeah, Right. And I think even while Sandra was alive, she was trying to sue. Sharla also appeared on Oprah, quite famously, with a veil covering her face. And in this interview with Oprah, she says, I've lost so much independence, I could change my own truck tire, and now I can't even feed myself. It's very hard to live, not even live, half live. In 2012, she did receive a $4 million settlement from the Herald Estate going back to what I just said, but most of that had gone on medical and legal bills. Yeah, of course. She's got nothing at the end of it all and a fucked life. Would you want to live like that? I don't know. I think she's making the most of it. And it's a small blessing that basically she has no memory of the attack, which could help her psychologically, but it also could be repressed in there somewhere. So she's quite concerned that at some point it could just pop back up and cause significant psychological trauma. Yeah. Scientists have revealed that chimps have been witnessed killing and eating gorillas. They aren't the cute, cuddly guys that we think they are, things that are most like humans. But if you think about it, humans are bastards, right? We all have the ability to attack like that. And Charlotte's attack was not the first because researchers have said that all of these fatal encounters, which are now sort of like appearing and have appeared over the years, but even more so now, could be down to climate change and diminished food supplies in the oh. wild for chimps yep now here's something from the sun that i found which was from the 70s saint james davis and his wife la saint james and la Donna, great they also had a chimp that they raised called mo after they visited south africa mo lived with them for 30 years but sadly in 1998 he bit a police officer and a woman the following year, so authorities took him away from St James and Ladonna. And after a long custody battle, he ended up in an animal haven ranch. They would visit regularly, and in 2005, they went to visit Mo on his 39th birthday, and they were having a little celebration with cake at the little haven. But then two young chimps escaped their cage and viciously attacked them before being shot dead. LaDonna lost a thumb, but poor old St. James suffered catastrophic (gasps) injuries and was hospitalized for six months. Holy fuck. He was 62 years old at the time. He tried to defend himself and his wife, but they chewed off his nose, Ah! fingers. His right eye was gouged out. And when he fell to the floor, they continued to attack for at least five more minutes. Very similar to what happened to Sharla. Yeah. One of the chimps bit off his genitals as well, oh! and his left foot was ravaged. And eventually, his screams alerted staff who shot them dead.
0: Fucking hell. It's yeah. so intense. And it's really awful. I, I mean, you can see why these Americans are declaring and detoothing their monkeys. Cause yeah,
1: well, they shouldn't even have them in the
0: first place, Michelle. They should not have them. It's not good. They've had this monkey or chimp for 30 years. Yeah, You just assume
1: that this chimp has become so humanised. and You just trust them, don't you? Yeah. That's the message in NOPE. You can't tame an animal. You can't nope. conquer an animal. Nope. Don't look directly at it is something a character in NOPE says. And this kind of highlights the lesson that Jordan Peele acknowledges in that film NOPE, which is not everything needs to be looked at. Animals can't be conquered. They can't be trained always. And nor should they be sitting around eating junk food and sleeping in your bed sorry to my dog winter but never trust your pet (laughs) (laughs) they could just turn on you at any point they can i know we have some cat loving listeners out there who could probably never imagine their beloved pussies turning on them the thing is cats are a little bit different they can't eat your face they can't bite your genitals off
0: no not really Mum's beloved cat Rexy. Look, I think she had a bit of dementia. And actually, I wonder if these monkeys also, especially the one now with 30 years old, had a bit of dementia.
1: Possibly.
0: Because Rexy attacked her. In what way? She just had a little crazed look on her face and she just went for mum's leg and tore mum's leg like a tissue. You know, it was Right, so now I'm going
1: back on my uh, Cats Can't Hurt You (laughs) announcement. I think I might have got that wrong.
0: But when you think about it, they're just little tiny tigers and they're not a big cat. They're a little cat, but they still yep. have instincts still cat. and you'd think they love you. Well, I mean, my stolen cat, what a bitch, seriously, <laughs> she's gone. She's, she's found some other family. So someone else has stolen my stolen cat. It's karma. You can't trust animals because at the end of the day, they are animals, especially wild ones that aren't yeah. meant to be domesticated. So interesting. Mm-hmm it Well, that was incredible, Geordie, because really anyone who hasn't seen Nope, and I will say I actually recommended it to one of the chefs who started watching it and was going, "Why the fuck would Michelle recommend this to me really? Yeah he was like, this is weird and nothing happens and then it all happened. What? Then he loved it and he said it
1: actually disturbed him for days. Right. I think that's our film of the year, isn't it? I would say if so. If we're doing a roundup, a Christmas roundup. Nope. Film of the year, even though it came out last year. T V
0: series, <laughs> Mr. In Between, even though that came out in twenty nineteen or something. Yeah. There are some good telly recs. But animals when animals attack, 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 attack you, you don't have a chance. Attack. attack, 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 attack. When animals attack, attack, attack Oh, is that a TV show? I think there was, When Animals Attack. (laughs) When Animals Attack. (laughs) Like it. Now, I'm going to talk to you today about a story that actually came, well, the idea came from lovely listener, Safka, who wrote in about a documentary she'd seen back in the early, well, mid-2000s, 2005, called Grizzly Man.
1: Grizzly Man. Yes, I saw that too. I
0: saw that at the time too.
1: Werner Herzog was the director. Werner Herzog, was he? I thought it was all self-filmed. Well, by the Grizzly Man, it was self-filmed,
0: but it was put together
1: by Werner. Put it all together,
0: and he edited it. Edited it. it. Edited it. He edited it. it. (laughs) (laughs) And he also (laughs) put his own spin on that film. I love Werner Herzog. Well, it's part documentary, but really part what he wants you to see.
1: Right. What what Werner wants you to see. Mm. Okay. Yeah.
0: And his take on what's going on. Essentially, this documentary is about a guy called Timothy Treadwell, who for 13 years had been friends with wild bears, Geordie. So he thinks, like I just said, you can't trust them. You can't trust an animal. No. Can't trust a travel pussy. He'd been in the depths of the Alaskan wilderness trying to hang out with these bears 13 years until one day in 2003, and I think you know where this is going. Yes. The bears weren't so friendly. And they ate him and his girlfriend, Amy.
1: Spoiler. So that's that. (laughs) That's that. Spoiler alert. Episode over. That's what happened. Thanks for that, Safka, for writing in that story. We're done.
0: (laughs) Well, look, there were a few twists and turns. It's more than man meets bear. You know, man makes friends with bear. Bear eats man. Yeah, bear eats man. Like I said, at the request of Safka, I'm just going to look into Timothy Treadwell and look a little bit at what the fuck happened here. For a bear to eat two people
1: on camera by the way well no no
0: what had happened was they went to turn on the camera lens cap was on so all you have is the audio uh, oh that's not very nice is it no which in a way is probably more terrifying because you yes. have to imagine what they went through now I will say the audio is not out there on the internet there's a lot of fakes
1: Thank God.
0: The estate of Timothy Treadwell and his friend who has, you know, bequeathed the audio has never released it. Thank God. However, I do think that Werner Herzog did hear that audio. So, Oh shit. He had quite an insight into what happened to poor Tim oh. and Amy. Tim was a self-proclaimed eco-warrior and a photographer and a, yeah. an amateur videographer. And his girlfriend, Amy, was actually a physician's assistant from Malibu in California. And like I said, you know, it didn't end well for this couple. So they'd gone on a nature trip to observe these bears in September, October 2003. Bits of their mauled, eaten, chewed, chomped bodies. What? Yeah, they were discovered in Katmai National Park in Alaska on October 6, 2003. Essentially, they were ready to go home. They'd radioed for the pilot to come the next day. Air taxi pilot saw a brown bear near their camp, thought that's a bit weird. Saw this bear sitting on top of what looked like human remains. Oh, no. I don't know how you can see that from the air, but this guy saw something, radioed it in. Oh, shit. And the way that Tim ended up in Katmai in Alaska for 13 summers is kind of complex. And I will preface it by saying, he was a guy that I think suffered from mental health issues and addiction issues. He was born Timothy Dexter. He was one of five kids. He'd always been an animal lover. And in an interview in Grizzly Man, his parents said that he was just an ordinary guy until he went away to college. And then things got mm. like, on a downward spiral for this guy. First of all, when he was at college, he told people he was... An orphan from Britain. Didn't have a British accent, I don't think. Then he told people he was from Australia. Because why wouldn't you? (laughs) Everyone wants to be Australian. According to his dad, he was just unhappy. And Timothy turned hard to the bottle and became a proper alcoholic while he was at college. He'd been at university on a diving scholarship. But that was taken away from him because he wasn't being an athlete. He was just a booze hound. He dropped out. And he decided to be an actor.
1: Okay, he's all over the shop, isn't he?
0: Yeah, but things are going pretty well for him. He actually auditioned for the role of Woody Boyd in the sitcom Cheers. Uh, oh, that's Woody it- Harrelson's part, was it? Exactly. Thing is, it came down to him mm-hmm. and
1: Woody Harrelson.
0: Obviously, he didn't get. It was the probably role.
1: easier for Woody Harrelson to take the part. To be fair, because that way he could react every time somebody called his name. He would turn his head. Woody, no acting required.
0: And he's pretty good, let's face it. (laughs) He's great. So he got the role over poor Timothy Treadwell, Timothy Dexter at that point. And Timothy, I mean, that knock just sent him even further down into a spiral of drugs, alcohol. That's when he didn't want to be Timothy Dexter anymore. And in 1987, he legally changed his surname to Treadwell. He also OD'd on heroin. Oh, shit. But survived. Yeah, yeah. And it was then, I think when he was in rehab, that a friend called Terry persuaded Timothy to go to Alaska and watch bears, I think as a bit of kind of therapy, get back to nature. So he had
1: no interest in bears before that. For some reason I thought grizzly man, he's all about the grizzlies, he loves them. No, Heroin,
0: heroin OD, met a dude. Dude said, hey, go watch some bears and he did. Gosh, okay. And he said – After his first encounter with a wild bear, he knew he had found his calling in life and that he was meant to be what I call a bear whisperer. In fact, he said in a book that he wrote called Among Grizzlies, Living with Wild Bears in Alaska, that his recovery from drug and alcohol addictions was 100% due to him having this experience with bears. The bears saved him, is what he says. And he got obsessed. You know, every year for 13 years... He would camp on the Big Green, which is actually an open area of grass in Hello Bay on the Katmai coast Mm -hmm. that Timothy called the Grizzly Sanctuary because there were loads of bears there. I read around
1: 3,000. So it wasn't an actual sanctuary. It was just something that he called it because there was a lot of bears there naturally.
0: Yeah. I think timothy was a bit special okay <laughs> i think he was a flamboyant guy i yeah. think he did what he wanted
1: i think he did whatever came along i think he was just a fly by the city of pants kind of guy by the sound of it
0: could be you know blowing with the wind mm. blowing every which way he would do things like he would go really deep into the brush where it was thick and people were not allowed to camp there
1: and he would well of course he had a bit of a devil may care attitude didn't he
0: Yeah, and I think he felt like, I have an affinity with bears, i do what the fuck I want. He would hide from the park rangers because he just wanted to be near the bears. Mm -hmm. I think he was kind of fearless or, in other words, maybe stupid because he just wanted to be really up close to the bears he was observing to the point where he would even touch bears and play with bear cubs.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Geordie, you're a mama bear. Yeah. I mean, don't touch can my, you imagine? Don't touch my cub. Exactly. Don't touch anyone's fucking kids, no. especially if you're a wild brown bear. Don't go near those cubs. No but he was doing that. This was his thing. You know, he would do things that other people were just like, that's too fucking dangerous. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. In his book, he said he was always careful with the bears. And he says he developed a sense of mutual trust and respect with the animals.
1: Mutual? It's not mutual, Tim. Sorry.
0: No, 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 no. Like we said before, bears are not domesticated breeds of animals meant to be pets. They're no. wild. And I think he really misinterpreted his own sense of who he was to them and with them because there's no control here. They probably tolerate him at best. I think they're not showing him love. It's like tolerating this dickhead who is trying to touch,
1: touch the cubs, you know. Biding their time for the ultimate snack. Oh, sorry. It
0: was lunch. Look, for 13 years during late summer, he would move to Kefilia Bay and camp in this area of super thick brush he called the Grizzly Maze. He was really into naming things. Yeah. <laughs> and he would go there because he knew his chances of seeing bears was high. Okay. And like you said earlier about the documentary, he recorded almost 100 hours of video footage over these 13 years. Which is a fucking lot of footage, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's the basis of the documentary, Grizzly Man. It's his footage. He also took a lot of photos. He really did put in the time to get to observe these bears, kind of know these bears. He named them. And he built what he thought were relationships with these bears. But a guy called Tom Smith, who is a research ecologist with the Alaska Science Center of the U.S. Geological Service – said basically Timothy broke every park rule going. Mm-hmm. In terms of distance to bears, he would not respect the distance laws. He would harass the bears. He was interfering with natural processes. Mm-mm. And he also said that Timothy's personal mission to hang with these bears was at odds with the processes and aims of the
1: Park Service. Right. He basically had no education whatsoever or this mutual respect. It was all on his terms. Yep. What he wanted to do.
0: Yeah. And Tom said that Timothy had been warned repeatedly to please modify his behaviour around the bears. Mm. But Tim just never listened. I think because he thought he had this deep connection to these bears – and he thought that he was immune to any unpredictable behaviour, which, as we know, nobody is immune. I will say that I did read in 85-year history of Katmai National Park in Alaska, yeah. no one, no visitor, no one had ever been killed by a grizzly. Oh, Tim was the first. Rules are there for a reason, people. Yeah, really. Now, guns are prohibited within the park, mm-hmm. but bear spray is allowed. And I did look up what bear spray is. is it's that? basically like... Capscom spray. Okay. And you spray it in the bear's face
1: and it stops them from eating you. So then you can run. But what about the rangers? Were they carrying rifles in case of attack? Yes.
0: The rangers were allowed to have guns. No one else sure. was allowed to have guns. And the thing is, Timothy, he didn't like bear spray. Never had it on him when he was camping. Oh. Could be a bad move here. Yeah, I did read that Tim's initial camping experiences in Alaska were a dud. He was bad at it. He was always moaning, oh, I'm cold, I'm hungry. He Mm. got bitten by insects. Some of his first encounters with the grizzlies were a dud as well. You know, they turned and they would run away from him. Tim then thought, oh, shit, these bears realize I'm a threat, not a friend. And instead of sort of giving up, it spurred him on to try and be, you know, grizzly man. Yeah. In the early 90s, there was a wildlife filmmaker called Mark Emery who spotted Tim from the air while he was on a charter flight over Hallow Bay in the national park. He was there with a National Geographic film crew. And he saw Tim just like waving, signaling for help yeah. because bears had invaded his camp. It was a disaster. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't good with bears in the beginning. He didn't give up. He didn't give a fuck about sticking by the rules. In 1998, Tim actually received a citation from park officials for storing what i think must have been an esky
1: which is like a cool box a cool box you're not supposed to have any food around that attracts the bears doesn't it yep
0: he had it full full of food in his tent oh God, dickhead uh he was also told by park rangers on another occasion to take a generator away he brought a generator into the park not allowed sake. not cool then between 94 and 2003 He racked up loads of park violations and had a lot of complaints recorded against him. I think the rangers just knew he would go rogue and just do what he wanted. It's dangerous because he would do things like guide tourists without a license.
1: Oh, my gosh. No. Near these bears.
0: There was a five-day camping limit in certain areas. He would just stay as long as he wanted. And he would hide from these rangers. He wouldn't store food properly. He would harass the bears. He had loads of altercations with the park rangers. And he would do things, I think, like eat an apple and throw the apple core away.
1: What's he like?
0: Which sounds like not a big deal, but if you put an apple core into like an area where you're just camping and the bear finds it, the bear thinks, oh, this is where I can come to for food. And I think he was doing this deliberately to attract these bears. I kind of think that. So in late June 2003... Tim and Amy arrived at Hello Bay in Katmai but Amy went back to California after a couple of weeks because she had stuff to do but she returned. She came back to Katmai when Tim was moving his camp to the grizzly maze at Cafflia Lake to try and hide from the rangers. Now a pilot called Willie Fulton apparently dropped them off on September 29, 2003 at this location where they set up camp. Tim had told Willie that a few bears at his camp had been bit aggressive unusually so but it didn't worry him and Tim and Amy extended their trip by a week because Tim for years had been like had this relationship with this one particular female brown bear uh, that he'd sort of befriended and they hadn't seen her and they wanted to see her so they thought fuck it let's stay for another week But according to Tim's diary, he and Amy were not getting along. Amy didn't want to stay for that extra week. She wanted to get back to California. She was starting a new job and apparently they had some talks and he knew that Amy wanted to break it off with him. (gasps) Mm. So just saying, Amy, bad decision to stay for that extra week. On October 5, Sunday, 2003, between 11 and 12, Tim and Amy... Made a satellite call to a woman called Jewel Palavac, who was a friend and actually Tim's ex, who had helped him set up a bear foundation called Grizzly People. It's a non-profit organization. It aims to educate people, especially kids, about bears. How about educating Timothy? Exactly. Really, it was needed. But also, I think it was a bit of a ruse for funding. I was going to say. That foundation is what funded all his trips out to Katmai. yeah, She was the program director and they just had a chat. Nothing was wrong. Everything was going fine. And they had managed to see the brown bear, according to Jewel. So they were ready to leave. And Tim had contacted Willie, which I mentioned earlier, the pilot, to arrange pickup of him and Amy on the beach the following afternoon. Two o'clock on Monday, October 6, Willie arrived at California Lake to get Tim and Amy out of the area, but the weather wasn't good. It was rainy and foggy. And more than that, that's when he saw that brown bear. Oh. And it was trying to approach the plane. I think Willie was trying to land. Oh
1: my goodness. It was going for him. Yeah, it was really menacing. Like Travis the chimp.
0: Willie did manage to land the plane. He got out to look for Tim and Amy, but Uh, He didn't have any luck finding them. As he reached the plane, that bear was coming after him. (gasps) So he got in the plane, took off, flew over, trying to look for them a bunch of times. That's when he saw this bear camped on this pile of something.
1: Was it a different bear? No, same bear
0: that had come after him. Willie said that same bear was there on this mound. Yeah, chomping on what appeared to be a human rib cage.
1: Oh no!
0: So Willie radios that in, says he can't find Tim and Amy, but oh, they can't go back because there's some other emergency in the state park. Yeah. So Willie's called out to go and to deal, with that. deal with that. To be fair, if they're munching on a rib cage, not much Willie can do but really. That, yeah. Two hours later. Or two and a half hours later, actually. They go back. The bear is still there. They get out. The bear runs off. So they start searching for Tim and Amy. But the bear comes back. (gasps) And this time is really coming fast towards them. Jesus. Cocaine bear. It is a bit like cocaine bear. Yeah. They realize that basically the bear has been stalking them and is coming at them. Oh, God. The rangers open fire and kill the bear, who now is really only 10 feet away from them. Holy cow. That is a close shave, people. (sighs) And look, once the bear was dead, they could safely, you know, check out Tim's campsite and that's where they discovered bits. Now, there were two tents at the campsite, Mm -hmm. one for gear and one for sleeping. Both were ripped up and destroyed. Mm. But there was no evidence that showed that the bear had forcibly pulled Tim and Amy from the main tent. In front of the tent was a large mound of mud and grass and sticks. When one of the rangers removed a clump of dirt, they saw fingers and an (gasps) arm sticking out of the pile. Oh, my God. This bear had obviously ripped up the bodies and then created kind of like a nest.
1: Yes, a nest. Hiding all these bits of food for later.
0: Now, weirdly, Tim and Amy's food was actually this time around stored in four or five metal bear-proof canisters. Okay. They were untouched. And there were also open snacks. They were also untouched inside the sleeping tent. Yeah. The bear wasn't looking for food, I don't think. The rangers then scattered around to see if they could find any clues. But instead they just found bits of Timothy around oh the campsite. Trigger. They found his head connected to a small piece of spine. Oh stop. Oh. And apparently they saw his face and it just had this frozen grimace. No. They found his arm with a wristwatch still on it. Oh. And in another pile of sticks, they found Amy, oh. whose face actually looked like she was just peacefully sleeping but her body had been completely eaten by the bear so she was just head. oh god the state troopers were called in they seized all the stuff. obviously tim had loads of film and photos for them to look through and when they analyzed all the footage that's when as you mentioned earlier they discovered six minutes of video completely black oh. but with the audio <sighs> still on with the attack completely there now in the audio apparently you hear amy sounding surprised tim Mm -hmm. is screaming for help there's a frantic fucking struggle between tim and the bear amy apparently shouts to tim to play dead which in some cases can stop a bear attack but not this time no and the bear just continued to attack tim you can also apparently hear tim telling amy to just run but she didn't she didn't leave
1: oh shit
0: according to the audio It was not a quick death for Tim. He was apparently fighting right up until the last seconds. And Tim was shouting and screaming, but the bear was silent. All the noise on this audio is Tim and Amy. The bear, you hear a couple of... Oh, God. It's not all of this... Like you... Yeah, it's not. The bear is silent. Then you hear sounds of the bear dragging Tim away and his kind of fading screams. This
1: is the stuff of nightmares, Michelle.
0: And then as the tape nears its end, Amy's screams are getting more and more intense. And it's thought that actually her like frantic screams might have been the trigger to the bear to go back and finish her off too. So she was screaming. Apparently, she'd also used a frying pan to try and hit the bear Mm -hmm. and get him off Tim. I mean, fucking good on you, Amy, because that's quite serious to go that close to a bear who's eating your boyfriend. But once she managed to sort of like hit the bear and get the bear away because the bear did run off, she went to Tim and maybe she didn't realise that she had to kind of keep responding aggressively to keep the bear away. Right. Because apparently after the bear had initially retreated, She went to Tim and then left him. Maybe went back to the tent to get a tourniquet or something. I don't Mm. know. But her moving away might have triggered the bear's predatory instincts to protect its claim. Right. That's why the bear came back, dragged Tim to a safer area. And then when she's screaming, he's like, okay, I've got to now kill her because she's screaming and he didn't want to be challenged again. And have his kill taken away, which is what she sort of did the first time. So maybe her screaming was not good. No. A little bit like you had said about climate change. Some people think that Tim being so close to the bears to photograph them was a contributing factor. Yeah, I'd say so. This didn't happen during daytime when he was typically photographing them, but at night. Oh. So they think maybe... It wasn't. The tipping point here could have been that Tim and Amy did extend their stay. It was a time that was at the end of the salmon run and the berry crops that year had been pretty bad. Bears who were on the hunt for food were drawn to that area at a time when they wouldn't normally be there. Also different bears who aren't used to that area. And apparently this bear that attacked them was one that they hadn't really seen before you know you do have to wonder if they'd had bear spray could they still be alive
1: the whole thing that you've just gone through is very sobering as was the final scene of the documentary i remember it being quite it ends and you're like oh fuck but what you've just gone on to say is even more kind of heart stopping and chilling it's stupidity at its highest level and playing with fire well, he had no regard for his own safety or
0: Amy's, no, actually. exactly. He was overly confident with his interactions with bears. He did treat them like humans a little bit. Yeah. This all played a part in what happened to him because, you know, grizzlies are wild. They're not pets. No. no matter how much of a bear whisperer you think you are, there are reports out there of Tim telling stories about how he had diffused dangerous situations with bears by speaking softly to them. And he even claimed to once have, like, taken a little nap alongside a bear
1: gee whiz that is asking for trouble isn't it yeah
0: and apparently look he had narrowly escaped bear attacks over those 13
1: years that would be enough for me i think that actually made him bolstered his confidence
0: exactly so he probably thought i'm amazing with bears Mm -hmm. rather than him thinking the bears are actually tolerating me and not attacking me And so it gave him a false sense of his own abilities, I think. And I did read that the fact that he wasn't killed earlier is kind of a miracle because each year when Tim would camp in those places illegally in Katmai Park where he was hiding from the rangers, I read that he basically was willingly becoming part of the food chain. (sighs) He didn't protect himself. He didn't set up an electric fence. He didn't have bear spray. He hid his camp from the rangers. He approached bears all the time. You know, he just had disregard for his own life and Amy's. I also read that if you're an expert in bears, looking at Grizzly Man and seeing how Tim interacted with bears, he was always kind of annoying them. Right. In a way, trying to assert his superiority over Over the the bears. bears, trying to put himself as dominant As the dominant animal and in control. And you cannot do that with wild animals and expect to live long.
1: I mean, he also put tourists' lives in danger as well.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, he really did with all the things he was doing wrong. So ultimately, this tragedy, it's kind of on Tim. Yes, it could have been a case of wrong place, wrong time. But it could also just be a case of a man trying to dominate an animal and having it all go wrong
1: which is kind of the moral of today's story michelle it
0: is don't try and think that you've got one
1: over an animal you don't in the eyes not around the eyes don't look around the eyes or in the eyes (laughs) don't pop balloons don't sleep with a chimp don't sleep with a bear
0: don't get a haircut if you're around a chimp because they might not recognize you and eat
1: your face off you might confuse them don't give a chimp xanax what else have we learnt? Don't try and entice bears into your area and don't play with their babies. Don't play with their
0: babies. Don't throw food into a national park, ever, even if you think it's an no, apple ever. core.
1: And if you think your boyfriends a fool and playing with fire and you want to leave him. Fucking leave. Leave him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Moral of the story. So
0: thank you, Safka, so much for asking us to look into that. You know, I'd forgotten about
1: that documentary. It was so long ago. but Yeah, me too. It's a
0: great one. And yeah, you can find it on the internet.
1: Lovely. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Safka. And thank you to all the eavesdroppers for writing in with your ideas for stories. Because we do listen. We do, don't
0: we? We love it. We've got lots in our bank of things to look at. So if you haven't had your story looked at yet, don't worry, it's
1: coming. It's coming, but we're going, because it's that time for us to say, "Oh, wherever you are, whatever you do,
0: just keep
1: eavesdropping. Eavesdropping, 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 eavesdropping all day